0: Hi everyone, I'm Greg Meskel, and you're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. Like and subscribe. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind.
1: It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters,
2: with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Colbert Durand, and Justin Williams.
1: On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media,
0: we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off.
1: Welcome back to the Pro Source Podcast. I'm your co-host, Wallace Bruce, aka NWB, and I'm joined by Mr. Corbett Durand aka Kobe. Kobe, how you doing, boss?
0: Good, buddy. We got a friend of the show back.
1: That's right. He is a guy who likes to live in the fast lane. He's a former footballer from the Navy Academy, and he still serves as a lieutenant commander for the Navy. But when he's not on the water, you can find him on the track. He is in the NASCAR Xfinity series, and he's doing some great stuff there. It's the one and only Jesse Awuji. Jesse, how's it going?
2: Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me on the show today and looking forward to our talk.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to have you back on. And since we last spoke, you've you've done many great things. Like you've you've got your own team now, Jesse Wuji Motorsports. You want to tell us a little bit
2: about that? Yeah, it's been man, it's been a whirlwind of uh, just crazy news over the last you know few months. So earlier last year, me and Emmett Smith and and a couple of our other partners kind of sat down. We're like, hey, I want to develop a, a racing team in NASCAR. I want to do it big. I want to make sure that we create a platform where we can create opportunity for all, right? Right now in NASCAR, there's teams out there, but you know everyone's kind of focused on one thing, and that's competing on track. And you know there's not a lot of focus on anything else outside of that, which is fine. I mean, you're in a sport. That's what they focus on. But we wanted to build something that was more than that, something that was going to be um, you know, long-lasting and create a legacy something that was going to be able to be a opportunity generating system for people who would have never thought they would have the opportunity to be in motorsports, whether it's on driving side, uh, crew side, engineering side, admin side, whatever it is, we wanted to create that system. So the only way to do that is by having some type of ownership. If I was still racing for other teams, I wouldn't have a say so on who they get to bring on board, how they're doing things. I just wouldn't have that say so. So we figured, you know what, let's get our own thing going. When Emmett heard what the plan was, what the vision was, he was fully on board. And, you know, having someone like that, you know, being a Hall of Fame running back for the NFL, uh, someone who's, you know, all-time leading rusher still to this day, uh, how many years later, you know, it, it was just absolutely incredible to have his buy-in on this. So uh, to bring him, Matt Casto, Mike, all, everybody on board, it was just, it, it was pretty incredible. And in August of last year... We made the announcement, and once we made that announcement, we pretty much let the world know that, hey, we're going to get this team together. We're going to make our first start at Daytona. We're going to run a full season and we're going to do this more than just a year. We're going to keep doing this for as many years as God will allow us. So we made that decision then and we've been grinding since to actually get everything together, putting all the parts and pieces and racing equipment together, all the people, which are a very key essential part to this whole thing. And then, you know, just doing all the admin side of it. There's so much paperwork needing to be done to assemble a, team of people because it's a business it's definitely a business so we've been learning a lot we've been grinding a lot spending a lot of hours every day a lot of back and forth flights from for me from the west coast to the east coast but um it's been an interesting journey i've been learning a lot and it's just cool that we're getting this together and we have a really good group of people around us who are, are making
0: a lot of things happen there we go shout out to matt Castle by the way yeah your team bears your name are you the only driver Currently, right now, the only driver, but the
2: plan is to eventually expand the team out to a multi-car team, whether it's a two-car team, three-car, four-car, who knows. But that's the goal because, like I said before, we're, we're looking to really create an opportunity-generating system there's military folks out there who would love to get in racing who would love to get behind the wheel who might be already behind the wheel right now just at lower levels and want to work their way up there's minorities out there whether it's you know black Hispanic Asian you name it uh, females you know folks that are racing at lower levels who would love to get up to the higher levels but maybe you know a barrier for them is the the, the monetary side which is a barrier for many people. I think that's the biggest barrier for anybody is the monetary side of things. We want to create a system where we can eventually find a way to help those folks bridge that gap and be able to make it to higher levels and not let money be what stops them. You know, so so all these are just different ways we're going to uh, be able to expand out and have a multi-car team. And because I, I'm not going to race NASCAR Xfinity Series forever. Eventually, I want to move out to the NASCAR Cup Series yeah. and so on. Um, and then even then, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to race there forever, too. So at some point, I'm going to branch off and go make big blockbuster films with, you know, with, with Disney and Marvel. And, you know, and, and somebody's going to need to take my spot in the racing
0: seat. Now, how hands-on were you with the uh, previous team you raced for?
2: Yeah, so um, with the previous team in the National Series, uh, when I was running you know, NASCAR Truck Series and some of the NASCAR Xfinity Series races I ran with, I wasn't very hands-on with those teams because they were all based out of North Carolina, and I'm I'm based out of here. And most of the time, half the, <laughs> a lot of deals we put together to to run some races, a lot of them were very, very last second. Yeah, I've, I've had races where I wasn't even on the entry form until – two days prior to the race. So mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of hands on for me. It was a lot of uh, hey, we're gonna race this week, okay. And then I fly there and I go race and I come home. So i um, wasn't really deep in the weeds, I guess, um, for that for those teams. Now prior to that, when I ran in the Nascar K and N series, which is the regional series in the West, I, I was very hands on with that team and I was in a way kind of like a part owner on that team. I wasn't like on paper but I kind of was okay and i was very hands-on i was flying out there to that shop at least once a month helping out with the cars helping out with logistics helping with marketing doing what i could to just kind of build that team up and we did uh i had to move on from there in 2018 and move on to bigger and better things and you know started racing national the national series in nascar and once i did that i was less hands-on but now i'm about to be a lot more (laughs) hands-on
0: so is it easy to turn off the administrative side when you're behind the wheel
2: Yeah, yeah. I I definitely have um, a lot of light switches in my head. Um, (laughs) I'm able to turn things on and off uh, fairly quickly. It's just something I think the the military teaches us how to do. You Mm -hmm. know, we grind, we grind, we grind. we're, We're... taught to manage a lot of different things with not a lot of resources to do it and uh, we're taught that we have to be able to move on from certain situations and certain things as quickly as possible and move on to the next uh, you gotta keep moving forward you can't uh you can't just be a uh, uh, just you know single you know single lane single-minded like not be able to be versatile you know that's just not effective in today's world so um, i've learned to be very very versatile and wear a lot of hats Multiple businesses now. You know, I have a real estate investing business. I have a trucking company. I have esports events company. I have a drag racing events company. I have this race team. I have an app. What else do I have? A production company now, and some other stuff. I'm forgetting. A lot of stuff has grown in the last like that's crazy. Like six months, and I'm now. I, I need to actually write down all the stuff I have so I don't forget. <laughs> Spreadsheets. Yeah. Put it in yeah. a spreadsheet. That's exactly <laughs> well, what I have. Well, I have it all organized. I, everything is organized. I, I actually very, very keen and slightly OCD on getting things organized as far as the admin side of things. It's just in my mind, I forget what I have. So people ask me, Oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, A lot. Man, where do I start? <laughs> what yeah, do, we'll I do I do? I tell
0: people I, I, I work from home. <laughs> okay, so what's what's this app? If you can, if you can tell us,
2: yeah, this app. So I'm a part owner in there. I didn't develop it myself. I just I saw it and thought it was an interesting idea. I figured there's some ways I could help make it better and go in a better direction. And uh, it's called Gapum, and basically what it's supposed to do is connect people who are in the car industry with other people. And the the intent is to connect them at the drag strip. That's the intent. Now, okay. are people actually doing that on there? Eh, not exactly. We're working on getting people to understand their true intent of the app. So people, you know, go find back roads sometimes and do some funky stuff, and we're trying to keep people from doing that. But with any <laughs> app, when you start connecting people on social platform, people start doing things they're not supposed to. Facebook was meant to be a happy place for friends. And then next thing you know, I open up my Facebook, and I, I see somebody – falling off of a, you know, <laughs> falling out of a tree, you know, landing on their head. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. like, I didn't want to see that. <laughs> so, um, anyways, we're working on that. But, no, the, the app is really meant to connect people. It's kind of like the Tinder of grudge racing. So the okay. point is you, you find someone who's kind of like you, a car person, And you swipe left or swipe right. You swipe right if you want to connect with them and potentially race them. You swipe left if you don't. And let's say you do match with them, then you figure it out from there what event you want to go to 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 drag race with them at. You know, and the whole intent, once again, is to get people to the track and drag race and keep them off of the streets. You know, uh, getting that across people's heads is difficult, but that's what we're working on, figuring out what's the best way to get, you know, to, to make that happen so that. We can, you know, really, we're not going to cure street racing, but we can help get more and more people off the street and more people to the tracks, keep it in a safer environment so that they're not, you know, putting their life in danger or
0: other people's lives in danger. Yeah, right. I know. Good intentions. Good intentions. Have you got
1: law enforcement on to buy into this? Because I feel like
2: if. It's funny, you know, like, as much as that would sound like a great idea it actually wouldn't help us a lot because that's one of the biggest worries of a lot. like a lot of people have been getting on the app. We've been gaining more and more users, but um, the issue is uh, another issue. people ask us all the time, Hey, you know, is this some type of trap? You know, am I going to connect with um, a police officer and then go meet them the race? And then all of a sudden, you know, they, boom, they got me or, you know, they, they're going to impound my car, blah, 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 this and that. I'm like, like, even if, for some reason, a police officer got on there and was trying to do some weird sting or whatever, if you use the app the way you're supposed to use it, you should have nothing to worry. There's nothing illegal with connecting with someone and going and racing them at a track. Now, if, you, if you're if you having this worry, most likely you're trying to use the app the wrong way and try to connect with someone to go street race. And that, yeah, then yes, then that's all you. That's not us. <laughs> there we go yeah so that it's funny people will ask that i just always <laughs> just shake my head i'm like we clearly <laughs> let y'all know in the app this is what it's meant to be like if you have that worry then you're just doing you're but it's the same type of people who go on instagram and post videos of them doing street takeovers where they're doing donuts and intersections and yeah. on the road and you know all that craziness you see it's the same type of people you know i'm like you know we don't need
0: those people on on our app <laughs> hold on for, for someone that's interested in drag racing What does it cost to go race your car at a drag strip and what's required of you as far as when you come there with your car?
2: Depending on how fast the car is, you know, especially nowadays, all these cars are really, really fast. Depending on how fast the car is, there's different safety requirements. For the most part, most production cars, like if it was stock and you haven't hopped it up to like, you know, a thousand horsepower or something like that, you know, for the most part, you'll probably just need a helmet. And and that's it. And it has to just be a a, a, a Sa twenty twenty rated helmet. But really, to go race your car at the drag strip is actually pretty simple. It's like the simplest form of racing to really get into. You right now could take your personal car that you have, whatever it is, whether it's you know a, a minivan, a SUV, or a truck, or a, a or a sports car. It doesn't matter. You can take it right now to your local drag strip on the weekend when they have an open test and tune, which is. Test and tune means anyone can come out, bring whatever, and just test your vehicle. Okay. And you can go jump on the drag strip. It's gonna cost you, depending on the track, anywhere from twenty to you know, fifty or sixty dollars to run your car all day. And it's not twenty to sixty like oh. per run. It's like you just pay that to get in, and very then you cheap. can run oh yeah, very cheap all day long. I mean, the only thing you're gonna be really spending is you know, the only thing is gonna cost you is not I won't even say you're burning that much fuel. I mean, even with a crazy high horsepower car. You're you're only going a quarter mile, so you're really not even using that much fuel. I mean, you mm-hmm. can go make ten passes, and you might maybe 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 use a quarter tank of fuel. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's really not that much. So it's actually one of the cheapest ways to get into racing, and, it, and it's it's like it's like a gateway drug because you get in, and all of a sudden you do that once, you're like that was exhilarating, that was fun. Even if your car <laughs> isn't that fast, it's still fun because lining up at the line. And then you don't know who you're going to line up against, and then just running. I mean, it's it's very it's it's a it's a rush, you know, because you don't get to do it anywhere else, at least legally. (laughs) So it's a rush, and then it makes you want to come back again and maybe do a little bit more to your vehicle, get it a little bit faster. Maybe do some engine modifications, do uh, some you know do whatever you need to do to make it faster suspension tires whatever it is do that stuff you slowly 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 start just making your vehicle a little bit more faster and then maybe one day you're like you know what i'm just going to trade this in or sell it and get something else that's legitimately fast let me go get you know a chevy corvette z06 or you know whatever it is i don't know camaro a hellcat yeah yeah i I would say that but you know i'm a partner with gm now so i'm only trying to promote gm (laughs) vehicles cadillac ctsv
0: boom (laughs) (laughs) there you go yeah and that's that's what got you into it right that's your path
2: yeah, so my path was starting at the drag strip. My first form of racing, I would say, was at the drag strip. I had, at the time in 2008 or 9, I had a Chrysler 300 a V6. And I took it to the drag strip. I had done like exhaust modifications and a small little, you know, engine or ECM tune. And, you know, the car, I don't even know how much power it's was making. It wasn't making that much, maybe 250 horsepower. So I took it to the drag strip. I did a 15.9 second pass in the quarter mile, which is not that fast for anybody who watches Fast and Furious. You know, (laughs) it's all about getting that 10 second quarter mile. Anyways, I didn't get that, but, um, that gave me that bug. And I was like, I want to come back again. And but I want to come back with a faster car. So after I graduated from the academy, um, I had finally some money and I went and bought a Dodge Challenger, um, started building that up, uh, you know, doing motor, um, you know, doing, uh, motor modifications and all that kind of stuff. Got the thing to make a lot of horsepower. Um, eventually it was a low 10 second car and, uh, had a lot of fun with that and then bought a Corvette c6 z06 and i wanted to just daily that car actually because i thought it would be a great daily driver really sporty but good daily i bought it and within like a week or two i took it to a road course track so i I took it i didn't want to go drag racing with it i was like you know what i don't want to go in a straight line i want to learn how to go fast around corners i thought that was just more sexy so i took it to a road course track did a track day ran uh you know that whole day and i was like this is crazy like i'm I'm a guy not knowing what I'm doing, and for $200, I get to come to a road course track where the first corner, I enter that first corner at $140. 50 miles per hour and we're am entering a corner and they allow me to do this. This is <laughs> nuts. So I was like, I, I got hooked from there and from there it was the next few months. I was just doing more track days, going to other different tracks, learning more technical tracks and just learning how to go fast, not only in the straight line, but around corners and around people. So uh, I was like, this is great. And then a few months after that, it was like about four months after my first track day, uh crazy enough, I was sitting in my room one night, and I was thinking, what am I going to do after the Navy? And I was like, you know what? I want to become a professional race car driver. I like this track day stuff. Why not take it to the top level, the the best level I can? Why not be a pro? And I was like, what's stopping me? There's no rules or you know laws saying that in order to be a race car driver, you got to go play college, auto sports. <laughs> you know, there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing like that. So uh, I was like, I, why don't I, I, don't, I go after this? So I immediately started doing research to figure out how to get it done. And one thing led to another. And it's just crazy how once you start putting focus towards a dream and towards a vision and you put constant, consistent energy towards it, the universe, as long as you fully believe that you can do it, universe will start putting people and things in your way. So that you can get there. It starts yep. basically moving. Yeah, it starts moving opening up paths and be like, okay, yes. you're really focused on this, you really want it, and you're putting that consistent, you're investing in it daily, you're gonna get a return on your investment. Mm-hmm. When you get those returns, you don't know. They come in different times. It's not a scheduled, you know, it's not like a dividend that you just get every single like it just come in different times. It might come tomorrow, it might come in six weeks, it might come in a year, but people, different things will start coming in your path. And as long as your eyes are open, you will see it. It's just like when you go buy a car. Let's say you go buy a Chevy Camaro all of a sudden all you see on the highway are Chevy Camaros is because you now put so much energy and focus into that car you now have opened up your eyes to see things you never saw before that were always there and that's what started happening and that led me along my journey to basically go from Navy to NASCAR.
0: Awesome, awesome. This episode is brought to you by the good folks at New Smile. Just use the code PROSPORTS to get $150 off any of their teeth aligning kits. So turn up the dial on your smile with New Smile. Now on to the show.
1: Yeah, I can't disagree at all with what you're saying. I, I I mean, I don't know if I'll ever hit the racetrack in any form, but I'll live vicariously through yourself, Jesse. But what you said about that, that energy and that drive, it, it's so true. And there are going to be days where it's a struggle and it feels hard, but those are the days where you got to keep pushing, right? you got to keep uh, barreling through like a running back, and then those opportunities that you talk about, they're going to come through, right?
2: Oh yeah, most definitely. And and that's how it is. You know, I always tell people when you're going after your goals and dreams in life, you know, it's a journey and you're going through this tunnel and that tunnel is dark as hell. But this is the thing. Before you entered that tunnel, you entered it because you clearly saw in your mind a vision of you accomplishing whatever your goal is. That's why you go after it. None of us just start going after some particular goal without seeing us doing it. We, if you don't see it in your mind, we don't go after it because you don't even know what you're going after. So we all see it. So once you see it, it means... The deal is already done. That means at the very end of that tunnel, the deal is done. That's where you accomplish whatever you're supposed to accomplish. But you have to walk through this tunnel to get there. For some odd reason, people go in the tunnel, and I know it's pitch black, and I know you trip a lot of times throughout the tunnel. I know there's snakes and things and people trying to take you and kidnap you and hurt you along the way. But people just quit. Like, like They're like, mm. oh, yeah, this is probably not meant to be. It is meant to be because you're in a tunnel. The tunnel has an entry, and the tunnel has an exit. So just keep going, and you'll get to the exit no matter what happens. It might hurt along the way, and it might hurt really bad along the way. If you're quitting because you don't like the pain, then I guess. But don't quit because the dream is not possible. It is possible. The tunnel has an exit, and if you will not see the exit until you step out of it. It will be pitch black until the final millisecond. You could be literally three inches away and it's still pitch black, but the light is on the other side. Just trust. And that's where that faith comes in. And all of a sudden you'll make it to the end.
1: There we go. Now That's uh, very profound words for these times that we're in. Now, Jesse, I have a crucial question. I know you've been doing a lot of things, seeing a lot of changes, but there's one key change I need to know about. So, brother, have you started eating Ghanaian jollof rice yet? you know
2: i haven't but uh, i i was just in nigeria um in december and early january i was there for like nine days and i ate our nigerian our ebo Jollof rice, and it was absolutely amazing. It Made me not want to eat any other jollof rice out there because it's just any other ones would just be in, inferior. You know, I, I just, <laughs> this is the way around it. <laughs> this is the way around it. You know, I mean, you know the yeah. truth. <laughs> no, no,
1: I, I've tried Nigerian jollof, and it, it's okay. It's it's not bad, but if if you want a true experience of the West <laughs> African uh, cuisine, it's it's got to be Ghanaian jollof.
2: I feel like there needs to be a restaurant in the U.S. with all the different versions of jollof rice. I think it would be a hit if you do it somewhere where there's like a, a really big concentration of like West Africans. I think it would be a hit. Like, yeah. yeah, like people would come. A lot of different, not just Africans. I think a lot of people could who just know Africans and know about the rivalry between all those countries <laughs> on their lot There's a lot of rice, and, and there's inner country rivalries too you know even That's just true. like in nigeria you know the Igbo's versus the Hausas versus the Yoderba versus yeah. they all got their own versions so it would be very interesting to like go somewhere that kind of almost is like a texas day brazil but they bring out different versions of jollof rice and they, put all, just, they keep bringing it out with different kind of meats and this and i think people would be up for you know what? i might have just created an awesome business yeah, idea. Man. <laughs> i think i think i think I'm, i think i think I know you're a busy man, but I feel like you got
1: capacity for that, you know, just J- J- Joloff World or something instead of Jerry World, Joloff World. You know? Oh, and the Nigerian, wow. the Ghanaians, the Senegalese on track. Wow, we World, that interesting. Very, mm.
2: very interesting. Now, uh.
1: Jesse, you still doing <laughs> East? how's the esports been going? Right, how's the? Hey, you been doing that while the NASCAR off season's been going on?
2: Yeah, so on the esports side of things, I started my own esports company with some partners called E Racing Association. And what we do is we put on big tournaments uh, every month now. We started off with just doing them each quarter, but now we're doing them each month and we give away prize money. In a year, we will give away uh, somewhere around uh, how much are we giving away? Each year, we'll give away close to like 30, 25 to 30 grand or so. Okay. Um, and prize money, and it's like you could and the we only have three different platforms we're on right now. We're on iRacing, Gran Turismo, and Mario Kart. So uh, if you just have all those, you can compete in all those. I and mean, let's say you went and ended up winning each tournament, you could come away with you know for some people like half a year's wage almost in a way. So just by playing games at home. So we've been doing that. It's been growing. It's been getting bigger. It's been really fun. We prof- uh, professionally broadcast these two and stream them on uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitch, all that stuff. We've had a lot of great viewers on on Facebook. That's been our biggest platform. We're trying to grow the Twitch side of it and the YouTube side. But uh, it's been fun. It's been really fun and um, continue looking to grow it even more. We just brought on another partner, uh, Kevin Johnson. Uh, he's a West Point graduate. Uh, graduated from West Point uh, after his uh, military service. Uh, started a couple companies just exited out of one of them recently and he was looking for the next big thing to do and he, he saw the vision with uh, e-racing association and now he's jumped on board he's one of our managing partners and he's going to be you know really kind of
0: taking the reins and looking to 10x that company how do you qualify for these e-racing events
2: put out the information you know most people just follow our follow our social media pages and also get on our mailing list. We let people know when qualifying will be, and you, anyone can jump in and qualify. We don't we don't just have some set roster where it's like, hey, these are the only people that get to compete in our events throughout the year. Okay. anyone for each event can come in and try to qualify their way in. And if you're good enough, you can make it. There's people who qualify into one event and didn't qualify into the next event, and then qualify into the next and then win it. You know, so it, we make it to where anyone we want to give everyone an opportunity. Anyone in the world, we want to give you the opportunity to get in. And if you're good enough, you'll get in. If you need some more work, then you just got to go practice and, and get better.
0: Right on. Now, I got to ask because it's uh, it's Super Bowl week. This won't come out until after. But how did you get linked up with Emmett Smith?
2: Yeah, so got linked up with Emmett uh, through my agent Matt Casto. He's uh, has a world of connections. Matt used to, um, you know, work with Emmett back in the early two thousands uh, when Emmett was playing for the Cowboys, and you know, Matt really learned a lot from him during that time. At that time, Matt was really kind of just, a, you know, in a way, kind of an assistant, just helping out where he could, doing what he could, just, just being around a lot of greatness, and um, you know, always main, maintained contact with Emmett since. And um, you know, uh, about a year and a half ago. Matt was like, you know what, Jesse, like, I know me and you've been thinking about getting this race team together. But, you know, why not do it with somebody who has an even bigger presence and footprint than we do? You mm-hmm. know, somebody who has, is great in another sport, not in NASCAR, but in another sport. I was like, OK, keep telling keep talking. And he said, you know what? You know, I'm still connected with Emmett. Let me reach out to Emmett and see if he'd like to be involved. Uh, he made the connection, and Emmett was Emmett was like on board day one. He just he loved the idea, loved what we were about, and was like, you know what? I want to be part of this. And um, it didn't take a lot of convincing.
0: <laughs> Has he taken the Chevy out for a spin?
2: <laughs> no, he hasn't. He doesn't want to drive the, the, the race, <laughs> okay. guys. Okay. He, he's, he's, he's good. He's good. He's good to sit back and watch them. Some people – like to go fast and some people just like to watch (laughs) and he's just like you know what i am good he's like i already had a lot of fun in my life i'm good
0: (laughs) all right
1: no that's awesome and we look forward to seeing the success of that now you're in socal right now were you at the the coliseum race on sunday
2: no i wasn't um i was um serving the country i was doing my u.s navy drill that weekend and then right after that i had to fly right when drill was done, i had to fly through the night to charlotte to do uh, an announcement where we announced our manufacturer that we're with, which is a Chevrolet, and I uh, did that on Monday. After that, flew back home to uh, Southern California, and uh, now we're here. So, yeah, been crazy busy. Did not get to go to the LA race, but uh, watched a little bit of the highlights from social media. I'll probably try to watch on YouTube or something like that, the race, and check out how it went.
1: Yeah, no, that was awesome. But I did see you, I think you were,
2: forgive me if I get the term wrong, but I think you were inducting some people into the Navy. Was that right? I did that. Yeah, uh, that was one of the days. Um, Yeah, we had a, not into Navy, we were just, um, we were promoting them. So they were getting frocked, which basically means uh. they're allowed to like wear the rank of their, their promotion that they just received um, before they actually get paid for it. So, because in the Navy, once you get um, promoted to the next rank, you don't necessarily get paid immediately, at least on the enlisted side. It's really a very interesting system on how it works. But um I guess they gotta collect more taxpayer money first to get these guys paid. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> it's like hold on i know you promoted but we got we got to get, collect some taxes for us hold on <laughs> um, I, I don't know how it works exactly but that's just basically what they do so while you're waiting because it could be a month it could be six months it, i don't know how like, there could be you know quite a few months before you actually get to get paid for it so instead of you you earn the rank so they were like you know what let's do this ceremony where you get to wear it even though you're not getting paid for it yet you get to wear it because you already earned it and that's what we did so you know, they'll, they'll get paid for it starting here soon, I think in the next month or so. There we go. We we'll salute your service, by the way. Thanks.
0: Yeah, no, it's – um, what list of social medias – I mean, obviously, you've got a lot of things going on. But primarily related to racing and yourself, what social medias can you find you at?
2: Uh, so I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on all of them. Uh, to name all my different pages would be a tough. The easiest way is just look up my name. I don't have any weird usernames. Um, you can find me by my direct name. So just look up Jesse Iwuji. That's a J E S S E Last name I-W-U-J-I. If you look me up, you'll see all my pages on all social media channels. If you see Jesse Wooji like fan page or something like that, that's not my, I don't run my own fan pages. <laughs> but if you see like Jesse Wooji or Jesse Wooji Racing or Jesse Wooji Motorsports, that's definitely me. So yeah, everyone can search for me, follow me on all those pages. We post all the time. We're active on there. We answer questions. DM the questions if you have them. The comment ones are tough to get to because there's a lot of them. Yeah, we're on all the social media platforms so people can look us up and reach out to us if they ever got any questions about anything or if they want to find out a way to sponsor, you know, our race team, we are definitely taking those those messages. So send them.
0: <laughs> Perfect. And and what number is your car? Is it number 22?
2: No, we are going to be the 34. We're going to 34. The reason why we're the 34 is because the first African American Cup Series driver was number 34. Oh, okay. And he uh he 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 was the first African American to also win a race in NASCAR. There hadn't been another one to win after for a while after that. There's a lot of significance between uh, behind the 34. And I got to meet that family, Wendell Scott. It was a very powerful story. It went even the race that he won, it was the only race that he won in NASCAR in the Cup Series. Uh, but because of the times, it was like the nineteen sixties, you know, it was a lot of racism and stuff like that going on. Of course. He he won the race. Initially, They let the race go like another few more laps, even after the when it was supposed to end. (laughs) What? Because they wanted they they didn't want him to be the winner, even though he 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 legally like clearly won. They didn't want him to be a winner, so then they gave the trophy and the win to another driver who was a Caucasian driver. But then he fought for it, fought for it, fought for it, and fought for it and fought for it and fought for it, and finally, I think by the end of the night. They finally were like, okay, you're right. Yes, you did win. The race was only supposed to be, you know, X amount of laps. And by that lap, you were the winner. You know, the race shouldn't have been extended a few more laps. So, yes, you were the winner. So he was like, okay, finally. Thank you. He's like, <clears throat> can I have the trophy? He's like, uh, we already gave it to the other guy. He, that was in, I can't remember what year, It's like 1960s or something like that. Um, He, his family didn't even, he didn't receive the trophy his family didn't receive the trophy until I believe, uh, 2015. Seriously. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He died in 1990 from like, uh, from some type of cancer. So he never actually got to get it himself, but the family finally received it. I believe in 2015.
0: Do you know where that win took place? Uh, it was, I
2: believe in Jacksonville Speedway or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So Wendell Scott. And, um, so he finally received it then. And, uh, And I guess afterwards he was asking, you know, why did y'all do this? Like, you know, why did it take this long to figure this out? And I guess the rumor was, I guess at the end of races, uh, typically during that time, you know, if you win a race, you typically have, uh, the not cheerleaders, but you know, the, the girls at the end who always, you know, give you your, the trophy girls, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. You know, that you typically, they give you a kiss or you give them a kiss or something like that. It's just kind of a part of the thing. And I guess they couldn't have a white lady kiss a black guy, you know, so that that's why they couldn't make him the winner. Supposedly that was like what they were saying or something like that. Who knows? But that's what he went through. He was a guy who went to a lot of races and, you know, had death threats, you know, his way, you know, and NASCAR at that time raced in the South, the Southeast. So, you know, he was going into KKK land a lot. You know, there's a lot of places where he wasn't allowed to stay at the hotels. He had to go sleep in a park, you know, before the race. He had no sponsors, and even on the no-sponsor thing, his car is now in the Hall of Fame at NASCAR, and there's a lot of old-school cars there, new cars, everything, all the champions and notable people, Hall of Famers, you know, who are in there. You see all these cars there, every single one of them, sponsored up, sponsored up. He has the only car there
0: that has zero sponsors on it. Wow. So, I guess they were just under the assumption that he couldn't win at the time.
2: Um, who, the sponsors?
0: No, 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 NASCAR in general was like, we'll let him race, but we don't have to worry about him ever winning.
2: Yeah, 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 no, it's was just, uh, yeah, and, um, you know, luckily there was some people at the track who, who, who saw his struggle and were supportive. I guess uh, Richard Petty was super, super supportive, helping him out a lot, but he had, I think he had to, uh, I believe he had to do it somewhat kind of, not undercover, but like, you know, just, you know, you had, you had to just be careful. It was just a tough time where you, you, uh, you Everything everyone had to deal with during that time is really, really rough. So,
0: yeah, I was walking on eggshells.
2: Yeah, you gotta walk on eggshells. Like, I wanna help you, but hey, like, uh, you know, let's do it around the corner, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You know, cause you, uh, you just don't, you know, cause you, you know, you get caught helping a, a black guy and, you know, it's some racist people who see that, you know, you, you could be under fire too yourself. So, it's just, it's really, really tough time. But um, he he'd still stayed in, he raced, raced many years did well
0: you know with what he could and it was just awesome to kind of hear a story no that's cool man it's cool that you get to spread that story now it's now now the number makes total sense to me
2: right yeah
1: yeah it's awesome Uh, and we hope to see number 34 racing often and we want to see that number 34 on the podium many times in 2022 and beyond
2: yeah that'd be amazing if i could go win a race that'd be absolutely epic (laughs) yeah that's on you jesse yeah, no, no, no. On all of us on the team, but yeah, I'm gonna do my best to to put that thing as as as, as far up front as possible. That's right. Um, no, when yeah, when no, people right.
1: come on the show, they succeed. Like we've had we've had championship winners, Olympic gold medalists. You'll be winning races. I see it. But um, we appreciate your time, Jesse. Is there anything else you wanted to share with our audience before we let you get back to it?
2: Ah, oh, man. I think we shared a lot. But, um, you know, for those people listening, you know, if you got big goals and dreams, go after them. Don't let people tell you you can't because people who tell you you can't are typically people who they, they don't have your same vision. The only you are given the vision. And because of that, you got to see it for yourself. You don't don't expect that anyone will see it for you. So just remember that if anyone tells you you can't it's because they were not given your vision. So it's
0: OK. Go after it. Right on. I love it. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate your time. It's great talking to yeah. you again. Yeah, most well, definitely. Thank you for having me. Take it easy and good luck this year, buddy. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account, where you can also
1: slide into our DMs and catch the latest
0: snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at ppodcasters on Twitter.